midweek movie special for no reason we're going to talk about the born identity yeah gonna go for this 2000 and two 2002 film which at the time went under the radar for me i ended up seeing it i think towards the end of its uh time at the cinema but i was really glad to have seen it it's based on the robert ludlam novels where it stars matt damon and that's probably the first time i've not done a matt damon voice <laughs> in america as jason bourne with a pretty stellar cast you've got brian cox chris cooper clive owen and you've got the female character franca potenza who plays marie from run lola run yeah. Uh, yes. So this yeah. this adaptation of his Robert Ludlum's espionage thriller it begins with an unconscious man plucked from the Mediterranean Sea by a load of dodgy fishermen. It builds from from there, which is Jason Bourne finding out who the hell he is, what he is, where he's from, and it's a really riveting mainstream film. It's fast paced. It's got real good action, clever choreographed fighting scenes. Basically, Daniel Craig's Bond copied a lot from this when they realised yeah. how successful it was, especially the way that well, it, was it instantly was... made Bond look like a relic from another era. Basically, yeah, did well, this, is, this was coming paced. off the back of the Pierce Brosnan James Bond catastrophes, which is like proper cheese ball. Die another crap. Di- die another day was the last. Tomorrow never. It was sort of like tomorrow never dies. The last one. Where tomorrow it was wasn't work. there. And then yeah. this this was sort of taking it back to a more gritty kind of yeah yeah violent um, realism. Yes, and, and, and you and still some... had gadgets and locations yeah. and all those and stunts and all those yeah. other things, but they weren't being said with a nod and a wink and a, a nod and a wink and a terrible one-liner. They were being yeah, and some misogyny. Yeah, they were being delivered. In fact, by what was a fairly bland looking human being to be completely honest in mm. Matt Damon and but, he, but you you instantly understand just how his training and possible super serum enhanced body may have responded to these situations it's effectively a kind of amnesia road movie sort yeah, of feel to it sort yeah, of captain america without being frozen the kickoff when he when he's on the boat he's he's got this bank the laser in his hip numbers yeah. yeah as a sort of capsule laser pointer thing like surgically implanted into him so that that's the first part of the, the jigsaw which takes him to the bank vault which has in Zurich, all these sort of different awesome. identities yeah and a fucking shitload of money and a gun and so Passport, you, know, you can sort of put, put you don't need to be a genius to sort of figure out that you're some sort of agent, I guess, with all these different identities and a gun. Being being naive here, Swiss bank accounts like that, do they have the capability to have items like that? Would they vet I don't think they a safety know deposit them, box? Is this the yeah, whole classic think, Nazi gold type of thing I where think they have no probably idea? Probably now, in the in the modern age, yeah. you probably have to disclose, but I think in the old days, it was just you just rented a box. Yeah. Well, this was, that was, this was the... There. Well, this is the thing. The the part of the film now is where he obviously makes his way to the American embassy. It was the start of the surveillance culture, and that you start to see, you start to see evidence of that. The CIA operatives are looking for him. There's absolute banging soundtrack from Moby. That whenever you hear the the whenever you hear the the theme music for it, I always think of now the Bourne films, mm. and I always find it's it's shot on a different type. How can I explain this? 
Well, so Doug Lyman, when... who, who was the director, he didn't let the camera operators see any rehearsals. He wanted them all to shoot it for the first time. Yeah. Having not not really know it. So obviously they'd have storyboards and stuff, but they didn't know exactly how it was going to play out. So it was supposed to be this sort of voyeuristic, but slightly uncertain sort of yeah. Yeah. And, and it played it. it played out better than you could instantly tell it was not playing to the same style of filming that you would see in an American like NCIS or something like that. You could tell it was a European film, not just because of the locations, but the way it was filmed in a way. It, it was edgy. It wasn't like filmed live in front of a studio audience with this. And it was like slightly off filter as well in its color schemes. And well, Frank, um, Frank, uh, Frank Potenta, who was the, the love interest or Marie in yeah. this. Yeah. She was in a movie called Run Lola Run. I don't know if you've seen that one. Yeah. But that was a big inspiration on the look and feel of this movie, which obviously is a very European yeah. film. It's amazing, and I'm sure we'll come to this at the end, but it's amazing that this movie was as successful as it was because there was a lot of behind-the-screens yeah. shenanigans. So director Doug Lyman and the writer Tony Gilroy clashed almost constantly. Matt Damon allegedly threatened to leave the project a number of times. There was issues between the producers and the studios. There were four rounds of reshoots, but actually this is a really fucking good movie. It, like yeah. you say, it's incredible that it turned out the way it did because the studio, Doug Lyman basically was a fan of the books and really wanted to, so he, he personally went to see Graham Ludlow to get the, <laughs> to get the, the rights. And effectively, that was the ownership he had of it was gone after that. I think that obviously the studio basically optioned it, so took the rights off him. And he was suspicious from the get-go of their involvement. And they... Mm. They were watching the dailies and having it reshoots, you know, ordering script changes and everything. And um, there were some endings that were mooted. And that was, I think, where Matt Damon fucking hated some of them. And he was said, I'm off. I'm not fucking having it. So well, I it think they wanted quite to remarkable. pursue an ending where he was like fighting loads of different agents. And they stuff wanted and- a montage. Yeah. They specifically said they wanted it shot like, I don't know if they mentioned the film, but they said like Tony Scott. Oh, my God. Doug Lyman said, well, go and fucking get Tony Scott to film it then. So uh, he, he obviously didn't return for any of the sequels. No. Which a is bit a like Tony Scott, though, if you can level an accusation at this movie, it's its horrible introduction of shaky cam in the fights. Memorably, there's a fantastic fight between Bourne and another assassin in his own apartment in or The biro. Yeah, oh. you get the biro through the hand, which is great. But mostly there's loads of kick-ass stuff happening, which you kind of see maybe an elbow here, flung around head there. I mean, it's really disorientating camera work and I don't like it. So, I don't think it's as bad in this one as it got in the later movies. The one with Paddy Considine is just basically unwatchable. It's just like a series of impress- impressionist mm. blurs as the camera spins. But you do have to pay attention to a Bourne movie, don't you? Because there is a lot of plot. Because Bourne himself is kind of clever and he's taught to find the most simple way to get through any problem, he's constantly finding things and zipping off left, right and centre. Yeah, you see his training come to the fore, like you mentioned in the... The embassy's really good the when embassy he escapes. He, he takes the jacket. Away. He rips the fire escape thing off the wall so he knows where to go and... Um, yeah, you can see, map. even though he doesn't know why he knows it, he knows that he knows it, yeah. if that makes any sense. 
He climbs great... the exterior of the building, does he? He really did that. He did that mm. with no stunt double. It looked like oh, it. God. So yeah. in the snow, bloody hell! I just imagine the insurers saying, "No fucking way, we <laughs> like the star climbed down that fucking thirty foot drop." No, but there you go, he did it. The, probably one of the other things that's worth mentioning is the unbelievable car chase, which really, really is fantastic. There's a cracking moment of humour in it. In fact, there's a few moments of humour in this film, but there's one in the car chase where he says, oh, this is going to get a bit bumpy to his passenger and then just fucking plummets the car down a whole <laughs> row of steps. Um, I nearly did that in my Mini once. <laughs> Doug Lyman had no involvement in the car chase sequence, unfortunately. I, I really wish he had, because I kind of, I don't know, when I hear something about studio involvement or that, I tend to want to side with the director and that it was his project and people have sort of waded into it but it was the it was the stunt crew and all that from Ronin which do you remember the car uh, yeah yeah, so yeah 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 that makes a lot of sense when you put the two side by side fucking Doesn't incredible it? car chase scene very good you do get a pretty cool moment right towards the end of the movie which i think was as a result of the reshoots but he he takes one guy's gun, he shoots it, he shoots his comrade upside down using his little finger, then throws the dead body of the first guy over the rail, jumps on top of it, headcaps a guy as he's falling, <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, yeah I and remember, then yeah. uses the body as a pad to break his fall, which is possibly a little bit incongruous given how realistic the rest of the film seems, but it's kick-ass anyway. But, so. but this, is what, this is what's led to the Bond films having more of a park is it parkour type chase sequences and not just like men running down alleys and then turning around and then the guy chasing catching up with them unrealistically at like the old classic bonds or the detective or the crime type films and 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 every film now has to has to have some form of death defying fight scene and it so it spawned a shed load of that requirement now in any form of action yeah. film um look at the mission impossible films as well I know Tom Cruise has been clearly influenced by by the fact that someone like Matt Damon has done the stunts himself, and he mm. now well, he's right a real daredevil, though, isn't he? Tom Cruise. I was going to say Tom Cruise is. started that himself, I think, but yeah. The, the way that Daniel Craig's first Bond came out after this, it's a clear reflection. We um, watched it just recently. My missus likes the Bond film every now and then, and so Boxing Day yeah. we we got casino royale on it's still and good that one. you can clearly see they've pressed they've had to press the reset button and, and reevaluate what, yeah, yeah. what they need to do to make a successful action flick these days you can't just have that cheesy fucking tuxedo nonsense it just doesn't cut the mustard these days people aren't mm. interested in that that you go a bit over the top and, and i always think you know someone gets punched on the nose that's the end of the fight you know that these people get pistol whipped a hundred times and get up again i just think come on, you know, need to go a little bit back the other way and just uh, these fights are getting a bit fucking silly. But I remember watching this film at the cinema and I went back to see it again at the cinema because it was, it, was, it was a breath of fresh air in terms of yeah. this is how these films need to be. This one ends, I don't know if they did it because of all the, the hoo-ha behind the scenes, but this, this could have been a standalone film. It, it ends in a way that you don't need the sequel. Yeah, and I was, yeah, I was hoping it did have a happy ending. You felt like it needed it. Because obviously, in the next, in the sequel, I thought it was really fucking harsh. <laughs> they just, yeah, they just kill his birds yeah, straight off. Like, yeah, drives oh, off a bridge and bang. Because I didn't, I didn't know. Like, none of the sequels have anything to do with the books, and in fact, this one has very, very little to do with the actual yeah. book. But 
so I didn't know what was going to happen to her. I thought, uh, you know, what are they going to do? Have another chase where she just has to go somewhere? No, they just fucking shoot her in the head like, right at the very yeah. beginning. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, really bad. That's harsh. Yeah. I think the second one I watched recently, maybe I'm getting them all mixed up, but there is a hell of a scene involving a, t- a fight and a toaster in Germany. Yeah, Chris the magazine. Yeah. yeah. There is, there's the fight with Bourne and the guy and he breaks into his flat in Paris. Yeah. And instead of being caught, he just fucking jumps out the window. Yeah, he doesn't and want to be. Be. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, you get the idea of what the Treadstone program is about, which is underlying everything that Bourne is looking for. And and, and like you said, I, yeah, it maybe a little bit more in this film, and they could have ended it a couple more extra bits. But I think because of the success, again, the Hollywood juggernaut trails on, and they they can't resist getting rinsing something out as much as they can which for some things has obviously worked. And I have to say I enjoyed the second one, but I thought it was harsh that sh- that they killed off her. I think I've watched them all now. You've got yeah, the Bourne Identity, too. you've got the one with Jeremy Renner. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, yeah. Bourne Legacy. Jason Bourne, the reboot thing. I've fallen asleep through that twice. I've never, I can't say I've seen it and enough of it to know what it's about. They're all quite watchable movies. They become a bit generic after a while, but this one at the time was a real breath of fresh air. Jason Bourne finds a tag, her chronograph in the bank box, which he puts on, and he wears that throughout all the other films, the same watch. Nice. But he he wouldn't... I don't know if they officially asked him, but he wouldn't have been a tag representative. because He's a a Rolex guy, Mm. Matt Damon. He, He had a... Uh, was it a college reunion and he bought all 36 of his classmates the Rolex it's pretty sweet I actually nice. don't like Rolexes that much though so neither do I I think they're a bit too bling for my tastes there's only one that I like it's the Rolex Milgauss uh, but let's tune in next topic. week for more <laughs> middle age watch news watch related just one more bit of trivia I like, on I like it. a G-Shock on the cusp of buying a T-shirt. One more bit of trivia. There's a red bag that he has. I want has. the frogman. <laughs> you, know the, you know the bag that he gets from the bag and he carries yeah, it? Yeah, and yeah, the duffel. Adam Savage from Mythbusters. From Mythbusters, yeah. He, he now owns that bag and all the props that were in it. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Uh, I think we should say the, 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 the Bourne Identity. It's uh, a very good film and I like it. No, no, no.